Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the SC Playbook Wrap for Magic Round, round 10 of the NRL. Uh, coming straight off the back of that last game, a cracking game between the uh, the Eels and the Titans. What a way to finish uh Three days and nights of uh, awesome footy at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. So let's get into it. Uh, Raiders took on the Bulldogs Friday night in the uh, 6 o'clock game. I'm really trying to work out what's happening with in Canberra. You know, they, they were a side about a month ago that really struggled to score points and they've just gone bang, bang with two 30-plus points game and seems like their focus on defense has gone out the window. So it's exciting to watch, but uh, generally we come to Canberra games and they're not really a factor. Uh, we don't simply seem to really care about them or they're not overly relevant in a supercoach format, but uh, they're, they're pro- probably quickly becoming relevant if they keep playing the way they're playing because they're playing some nice uh, open footy. Uh Let's have a look at some of the Supercoach scores. So uh, Corey Horsburgh was a key one. Uh, He was uh, talked about by a lot of Supercoaches as a possible second front row forward to bring in. Uh, I think he's playing career best footy. But what was a bit of a downer on his score for owners was I saw in an interview after the game and he just said, oh, I just put the offload away for tonight. So that hurt a little bit for Supercoach owners. He still punched out a pretty good score. Uh, it was 60-plus, so it was around 62, which will see him rise in price a little bit as well. So I think you, as your second front row forward to Payne Haas, you'd be happy, pretty happy with that. Joey Taps just keeps on keeping on, consistent as they come. He's not going bad enough for you to drop him out of your side, but he's not going good enough for people to drop to bring him in, I guess. That's the big thing with him. He punched out a 63, and I'd say he's a solid hold. Jacob Preston delivered for, I think he's owned by about 40% of all super coaches. So a lot of super coaches own him. There's probably a few people that are considering upgrading him to someone like a Fafita once the origin's out of the road. But at the moment, he's a solid hold, and scoring a couple of tries was. Really, really handy. He's a good player. He's going to be a player of the future for the Bulldogs. They've really found someone there. Matt Timicor. So I spoke about him a couple of times, I think, in the podcast and in my articles. He's an interesting one because in a side like Canberra where they don't have a lot of points of attack, well, until two weeks ago they didn't really, uh, he can seriously play. He's got tackle break ability. He's quick. He's elusive. He's got a few games under his belt now, so he's – He's feeling really confident. Uh, and once he comes out of lockout, he's going to be priced at around 650K. So that shows you how good he's going. I guess you're really going to have to pay up for him, but he is a pot option there. He's a definite pot option for those people that are looking for something different in the center wing position. Myself, I can't do it. I wouldn't go a uh, Canberra outside back. I couldn't even bring myself to to uh, get Croker. So I'm um, definitely not going to go with Timical. Uh, Reed Marnie got the win against Harry Grant this week, so that's 66 for Reed Marnie, which I thought was probably a little bit low considering he got that 
And he also got the try assist and line break assist right on the line to Preston there for his second try. So I reckon owners would be like slightly disappointed with that from Reed Barney, but it was an open game and he probably didn't do as many tackles as he normally does. So yeah, what about his 40-20s? Crazy. He's kicked four 40-20s this year, which is it's a real testament to the work he's done in the offseason. It's it's underrated how much the 40-20 changes the game too. So it's it's good to see. Uh, Karaz, 39, back from injury. Oh, he's going to be a really good pickup once he bottoms out, which is going to be a couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, he probably wasn't back to full strength because he had a try assist. I think he he either recovered a kick or made a break and then threw the ball back inside, I can remember, for a try assist. So 39 is fairly low for him. So his output wouldn't have been back up to what he was doing pre-injury. But keep a close eye on him because with those injury-affected scores, he's certainly going to be one to pick up uh, after the origin period, I'd say. Carl Oluwapu, a lot of hype about Oluwapu last week. He didn't probably replicate what he did in the first game. I think he got about a 16. Is he still a trade-in? Well, I don't know if he's an urgent one. I don't know if he's an urgent one. Depending on what you're doing with your five-eights, if you want if you want to make some money, I'm sure he's going to make some money. He might even have had his couple of games off the bench and maybe they put Reynolds back to the bench and he starts. Who knows? Keep a close ear out for uh, – Team lineups on Teamless Tuesday and keep an eye on that one. Okay, on to the second game was the Friday night game between the Bronx and the Seagulls. And I was really, I really thought this would be a good game, but I was a little bit disappointed with the Seagulls, to be honest with you. Broncos were what you'd expect. I mean, they were playing in front of their home crowd, a big crowd, uh, great atmosphere at Suncorp Stadium over Magic Round. And they came out and they played like that. They came out with intensity. They came out fast, ready to go, and uh, really mix it up with Manly. But I thought Manly were disappointing. They really missed the beat. Uh, by the time they sparked up, the game was over. That was the, that was basically summing the game up. Broncos' defense was really solid. Like I think that was the other thing too is Manly had their swing of possession in the second half, but they just couldn't crack the Broncos' defense and. You know, probably shows you that they do have a legitimate side. I think I don't. I wouldn't put them right up there at the top tier. Like the top tier for me at the moment is South Sydney and Penrith Panthers, and then I would say the Broncos are sitting in the tier below that. But you know, when when you talk about defensively, their centers like Herbie Farnworth and Katoni Staggs are two of the better defensive centers in the NRL, in my opinion. Ah, uh, Manly, yeah. Jeez, the way they played the last two weeks, they look like they're going to struggle to make the bottom of the eight, but there's certainly a few rungs down from those top teams. And a lot of it, like it always has for Manly for a long time now, depends on the fitness of uh, Tom Trebojevic. He looked to be running a lot freer in his running style, definitely a lot freer than the, the week before. But, uh, well, well, he missed the week before, but... The week before that, uh, when when they played West Tigers, he looked like he was hampered in his running style, but he didn't really have a great game NRL-wise. His supercoach score was pretty good. So those people that held on to him, uh, he punched out, I think, 80-plus supercoach score there, which is great. Uh, a lot of line break assists to Garrick. So he'll maintain his, his price at around just under 600K. But, yeah, oh, I don't know. It's a, It's a real... Hard one with Tommy Travoyage. I don't know whether he gets picked for New South Wales or they go for Campbell Graham. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty around him. I'm happy that I traded him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the only thing I'm dirty about is I traded him out and I brought in Tane to a picky. And I was tossing up between Tane to a picky, Jareem Baller, and Jared Croker, so I <laughs> and Tane Tuilpicky ended up pulling out of the game, and because I was doing things and that, I did I didn't get one of the other ones in time, and and that's probably really cost me. But anyway, that's super coach, and that happens. Uh, nice hit back from Ruben Garrick, so owners will be really happy with the uh, eighty three, particularly in a heavily beaten side. They didn't really look like uh, competing, so you can't really complain about that. 
I think you just got to hold Garrick now. Uh, he's he's just about bottomed out. I know that sounds strange because he's you know high five hundred thousands, but he's just about bottomed out. I'd say, and uh, he's on his way back up. If he might get a few games at at fullback as well when Turbo's out for Origin, if they pick Turbo for Origin, so Garrick is a solid hold for mine. Payne Haas got a bit of an early rest with the game in hand. Uh, played awesome NRL wise. Didn't have to do a lot of offloads because they were so dominant. And uh, that's the sort of thing that punches his score up. But 55, that's a solid score. And uh, I think you've got to stick with him. And front row forward, I, you know, I don't think you need to get too fancy with it. I think, you know, you could you could probably burn a lot of trades going from players to play, to other players that are not going to make that much difference in the in the front row front row forward position. If you get two that can score reasonably well. Uh, you know, when I say reasonably well, you know, they're punching out 50, 55, 60 plus a week, then you, you pro- that's probably going to get you through the season pretty well. Uh, Reese Walsh was a massive decision for owners. Uh, a lot of owners were considering trading Reese Walsh out, and I know a fair few traded him out to Dream Buller, which is probably not a bad result in the end when you saw how the young fella went for the Tigers. But those that kept him would be reasonably happy with the 90-plus score. So I'm not referring to specific scores just because, like, some games have updated, some haven't because I'm coming fresh off the press here. So uh, I think he was 93 last time I looked at Walsh. So that'll drop him to about 680K. Uh, and then he's got Melbourne and the Panthers coming up next, and they're both away games. So I think if you held him... For that game, the 93, he's delivered for you. Now you can consider trading him. Or if you're a person that, you know, probably doesn't have the trades or if there's not really an option to go to in that fullback position that you like, you might keep him to round 13, you know, but keep him knowing that you're probably going to, he's probably going to drop a, a fair bit more cash. So, But you've got some good scores out of him in the meantime. Uh, the guy, I guess the question is is whether he's a sell to, say, a Gutho or maybe a Lockie Miller. They're probably the two main ones that play in round 13 that look good. So, yeah, have a think about that and uh, see how you go if you're a Reese Walsh owner. Okay, the uh, podcast is brought to you by Siegel, the Canterbury Earlwood Caring Association Limited. Uh, Gareth White and his team there are doing some really great things in the community and they just want to reach out to those people that might be having a bit of trouble with their punting and, you know, with the gambling there and controlling it. So if you are a person that's affected by that and it's having an effect on your personal life and your financial life or your moods, then have a chat to Gareth at Sequel. You can email him. It's gareth.w at Sequel. C-E-C-A-L dot org dot A-U or you can contact him on 02-9559-4013 or you can visit the website www.secal dot org dot A-U. Just remember it's a free service and if you need to reach out just to have a chat to him, see where you're at, he can give you some great advice. So check it out, sequel.org.au. Okay, on to the Super Saturday games. And in the first game, the Warriors went down 18-6 to the Panthers. I thought this was one of the more higher standard games in terms of quality and standard that over the whole weekend. I thought this and probably the Parramatta Titans game were of really high standard. The Melbourne Storm versus Rabbitohs game was a pretty good game as well. So uh, it was a real high-quality arm wrestle, high completion rates, uh, two, I'd, I'd say, pretty good defensive sides. So Pan- Panthers outlasted the Warriors. It was helped by the fact that, you know, the Warriors' discipline wasn't there and they had two sin bins uh, for ill-disciplined play there. But the, the contact in the games was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. So... It was a really good game to watch, and as a Warriors fan, I think they just need to 
they just need to hold their nerve and believe in their systems. And they've got a really good coach. They've got a really good side, and I think they can come good this year. They're gonna. They've had a really tough run with injuries, and once they start to get a few of those players back, then they're really gonna look back on this period where they've formed a lot of resilience, and and they can do a lot on the back of it. So. Um, Panthers seem to be missing the punch of Liam Martin uh, on the edge a little bit this year. So it's made them a little bit impotent in terms of attack, but they're still by far the best defensive side in the whole NRL, and that gives them a chance in every single game they play. So I put them right up in the top tier with South Sydney and because they play a style that is really – conducive to finals footy so once they get the finals footy things tighten up there's less points scored and and they really grind it out and they're a side that is comfortable playing those close games even though they've lost a fair few this year uh, I feel like they're a side that's comfortable going into deep waters with sides okay uh yeah and I'll say one more thing on the Warriors is is in terms of Next Friday, it's a really key game that they they play the Bulldogs away, and that's a game they really have to win. It's a game a bit like Parramatta playing the Titans uh, tonight. That was a game that Parramatta will look back on and go, "Oh, this is another side that's probably fighting it out for a top eight spot," and they're the type of games that you really need to win. So that's a big game for the Warriors next week. Okay, Supercoach scorers, Cleary, 118. So that would be a bit alarming for those people that pulled the trigger on Cleary because they're worried about his uh, his groin niggle and, you know, he had a few scores that were a little bit lower and he's just punched out 118, which is amazing. In a game where he didn't score a try and the Panthers only scored 18 points, so... He's definitely a player. I, I considered briefly selling Cleary and then I woke up to myself and realised, like, am I going to sell Cleary to Mitchell Moses? And I know this sounds like hindsight, but I, I, th- I considered it for, you know, a good couple of minutes and then just, you know, dismissed it out of hand. I'll, I'll keep Cleary and, and Hines as long as I can. I think that you won't probably need to sell uh, one or both of them, I, I think there's a good chance that you'll be able to keep keep them both throughout that period. I don't think Hines will play Origin. I'd be surprised if he does, but we'll wait and see what happens there. Brian Ty, oh, he looked like the Ty of old. He was uh, awesome. He was coming in, looking for runs, busting tackles at will. He punched out a 89 uh, for Supercoach, which will mean you know a, a small loss in in terms of cash, and that sees him drop to a price around the price that he started. So he'd be around about six hundred and twenty thousand. So basically, if you bought Brian Tyre and you've held him this whole time, he's basically given you what you paid for. So he hasn't been good value, but he hasn't been bad value. So you can't complain with that too much. Hosking. Thanks for updates. Uh, he, he didn't do too much in the game, so just waiting for a couple of attacking stats for him, I think owners are, but you can't complain with a 67. That's solid. Uh, he's not setting the world a lot, but, uh, but definitely solid enough. Peachy. I know a couple of the boys from SC Playbook brought in Peachy, and they'd be pretty happy to see him get a, get a 50 there. That's going to see him rise a fair bit in price. I didn't think he would have maybe the base, but he does seem to – like running himself, he's actually a bit of a like for like for um, Tungo. He he does like holding the ball himself, and he breaks a few tackles and whatnot. So he might be a good little pickup uh, that you can play if you need to. But he could just sit there and earn some money for you, and then be a trade out later on. Asania Taruva, I know that a lot of people have traded him out over the last two or three weeks. I've, I've held him, and I had him as a player. I was pretty happy with forty seven. Again, he's not killing it, but 47 is not too bad. Uh, had Marzu out, so he's not going to play for me every week, but he had to play for me this week because of buys, and and uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to play him. I think there'll be some games down the track when they really spark up the, the Panthers and they put sides to the sword and he might score two or three tries. Tohu Harris, great return uh, from his MCL knee layoff. 
uh, had a try assist to AFB and punched out a 96 in an 80-minute performance. So pretty awesome from Tohu. I had him right at the start of the year, and then when he got his first injury scare, I sold him. Um, I just didn't want to go through it all with the injury, and I didn't know how long it was going to take him. But he's a player that I'd like to finish the year with because as long as he's not injured, he's going to just punch out great scores, he's, you know, and he's available in that front row forward position too. Adding for Noah Blake, 89. I think he scored his third try in about four weeks or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I know that he's been there and thereabouts. Uh, I want to say a shout-out to one of my mates, uh, Weed Dog. He's coming 27th, and he's had a cracking round this round, and he brought in AFB just before he went on his massive run, so he would be up and about the fact that uh, Adam Fanua Blake is punching out these big scores. But Weed Dog, he is headed for that top 10 with a rocket because I think he got about 13, 40 before updates. So we might try and get him on the show. If he hits that top 10, we'll get him in and see what his secrets are. Okay, uh, Wade Egan, 46. I'm not sure how many people still have Wade Egan, but 46 is pretty solid. He's coming off the bench now, so uh, but he wasn't that far off what Harry Grant got, so you, you can't really complain about that. Other notables, you know, CNK was 43, SJ 65. I think he might have updated a little bit since then. Jackson Ford, I think, updated to about a 44. And that was with a sin bin, and he didn't come on for a lot of it. I think mean, he didn't come back on. So he might not have played. He played less than half a game, I think. And that was on the back of delayed concussion symptoms. So he might be a player that might be out next week. We'll have to keep a closer ear out for that. Okay, on to the second game on Saturday. And what about those Dolphins? Ah, fins up. So they really turned it on for uh, Bennett's 900th game. You could see I was, I was watching Bennett before the game. He was really nervous. Uh, oh, I felt like he, with the interview, he, he had that real edge about him. So I was sort of wondering how the players would come out, but they just come out and turned it on. And the Cronulla Sharks just missed the jump. They The Dolphins blew him off the park. They led. They had that 30-0 lead. And, and then, I mean, there was a chance that – Cronulla could come back, but when you're down by that much, you need so many things to go your way and, and end up losing 36-16. It's a thing with the Sharks. Like, they can look so good, uh, like last week against the Cowboys, and they might have been flattered because the Cowboys were pretty bad, but then they can throw in a game like this and you just, you're just questioning, like, their premiership credentials because – compared to a side like a Penrith and definitely South Sydney this year. And normally Melbourne, I'd say Melbourne have been a little bit inconsistent based on what they've done over the last 10 years, but those are the sides you look at and go, oh, yeah, they can win the comp because they produce those efforts week in, week out. Okay, let's have a look at the players. Oh, Desi Creek, bit of a shout-out for Desi Creek. You've got to follow your own advice there, lad. So Desi came out a couple of weeks ago and he said um, CSC for Talakai was going to be the trade-in and he didn't trade him in. But Talakai's absolutely killed it. I think he got a 92 last week and he's punched at 106 this week. So he's definitely going to have some price rises and he, he would be a solid pod. His ownership is very low. So if you did follow Desi's advice, and he's a great man, Desi, and uh, you got him, then you're looking good. Another try for uh, Teague Wilton. Saw him push out a big, big score, 103 points. So if you're an owner that started the season with Teague Wilton, and I think I went through his numbers last week, and he had really, really solid numbers without excelling. He was just missing those top-end attacking numbers. He's really delivered value for owners. So well done to those that people that have him. He's going to be priced at about 620 k after lockout, so he's turned himself into a real premium second row forward. Ronaldo Mulatalo, he's risky. He can bomb a try, we know that, but he punched out a 72, and 
there's a lot of consistency around the attack on that left-hand side for the Cronulla Sharks, so he's definitely one one to follow. Britton Nickera, a bit of a down week for him, but still he, he got a 67. So if you're a person that's had him, then you'd be reasonably happy with him, with that, as long as you haven't brought him in the last two weeks because he's been a bit down on what he's been performing at. Nico Hines. Wow. 41. I'm surprised. He he just seems to get these points updated to him because he, he seemed to be really, really low. At one stage I looked at him, I thought it was close to the end of the game and he was about 25, but he got his way up to a 41, which is it's not really respectable as captain, but it's probably a little bit of a help for all those people that captain him. Anyone who had the kahunas not to captain him after what he's done to start the season has probably paid off big time for you. So I imagine you've probably gone a Cleary. It uh, wouldn't have been any good if you went to Desco. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Some people might have gone a Reese Walsh uh, or a Latrell, and Latrell wouldn't have really paid off. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Most people did captain Nico Hines. So in the case where a lot of a lot of super coaches do it, it really becomes irrelevant, his score. It shows you that if you can nail that week when there's a really, really popular captain, and that's a lot of the weeks it's going to be Nico Hines this year, and you can find a really good pod captain and they go low and your pod captain goes high, you can make up a lot of ground, but you can also get yourself a long way behind. So it's risk-reward, I guess. Uh, with the Dolphins, what a debut by Valence Tavare. Uh, he sh- I think in terms of what he did supercoach-wise, he's going to be one of the most traded in players, probably not next week, although some people might pull the trigger on him early. But I'd probably wait next week and just see what the situation is going into the that next game, that third game of his before he has the price rises and just see if he keeps his spot over Branko Lee because Branko Lee has basically won that spot for this well for the season and now with the injury I don't know whether has Tavar like I don't know if Branko was going that bad where he's not going to come back into the side. So Tavara did look really good in attack though. He he reminded me a lot of Conrad Hurrell. Really destructive runner. He did get found out a little bit in defense, but his defense wasn't as as bad as I thought it would be, being a big bloke laterally. So I think He's certainly one to watch. I think he updated to about 94. So anyone who brought him in would be really happy, but I don't think there'd be too much. Too many people that brought him in. Connolly Lemuelu, my boy. Yeah, another try on that left-hand side. So did it a little bit of a different way. Got the ball underneath Cody and, uh, yeah, nice score of 80 after updates. He just he's just going to continue to rocket in price. Uh, yeah, he's got the buy next week, so some he, some people would have been put off by bringing him in. I was happy to bring him in because he's that center wing, and I think when he's getting scores like that, that are you know eighty of the week before, I think he got one hundred and twenty. Then he can be really valuable to you in that center wing, and you can swing him up to second row forward depending on where you need him and what jewels you've got. Uh, yeah, so he has a boy, and then he has a run of Storm, Dragons, Warriors, and Seagulls. So some not bad matchups there, uh, particularly the way the Dolphins are playing. Definite hold through that month and then just reassess after round 15. That's what I'm going to do with him. Uh, I think if you have if you didn't get him in, it might be too late. Now, obviously, you're not going to get him in this week because of the buy, but you can reassess it after the buy and just see there might be a few injuries and whatnot. Okay, Asako, 62, solid. You know, his goal kicking always helps him, particularly with the Dolphins scoring so many points in these games. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King, 70, just keeps pushing out these really good scores, and I don't think he's highly owned. So well done to you if you've got him. Isaiah Katoa got that try early off the uh, Jeremy Marshall King line break. Good backing up. He's got a bit of a price rise looming, albeit a small one. I'm still happy to have traded him out to Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown's just killing it at the moment. And Hammer, 44 with a try. So 
all those people that have hung on to Hammer and Asako, you know, I think they're still probably solid holds. Maybe it's got to this stage where you get to the buy and if you've got a few trades and you're looking to upgrade them to someone or downgrade them to a cheapie, now's the time to do it. Okay, the feature game on Saturday night was the Storm taking on the Rabbitohs. Um, to be fair, it was a fairly one-sided game with the with the Rabbitohs. Oh, I think pretty much holding holding the Storm fairly easily. Uh, I, I was surprised at a little bit at how well the Rabbitohs handled the Storm. I thought the Storm were very lateral in their attack. Like they didn't, they couldn't find those players in the middle to to be an attacking threat. And to be honest, it was really Nelson or bust. If they didn't have Nelson on there, then South really didn't show them that respect in the defense in the middle. And that didn't allow them to get space out wide because every time they were going wide, the South defense just handled it really well. And South are the best team in the comp at the moment. There's just no doubt in my mind that they're the best team in the comp. I'm surprised they're not favorites, but I understand why, um, the Penrith Panthers, what they've done the last two years, are favourites. But they've got Kalal Matangi to come back. Uh, he's one of the best edge back rowers in the game. In my opinion, he's developed himself into that. And they've set themselves up for a really strong push for the title. You know, Cody's playing awesome footy. Uh, Latrell's playing great. Lockie Ilias is doing his job, so... Yeah, South Sydney Rabbitohs, they are airborne at the moment. I think with the Storm, they're just really struggling to generate ruck speed and momentum other than off the back of Nelson, and that's uh, really affecting Harry Grant's form. I don't think I've seen a game where he's looked less potent than the game on the weekend against South Sydney. They just really shut down, shut him down at a dummy half, and he looked a little bit lost and... At the end of the game, I don't, I'm not sure why he was taken off. Maybe he's carrying a bit of an injury there or possibly Bellamy just thought the game was gone and he got a, better, a few of his better players off off the field. But it certainly one of, wasn't one of Harry's best performances. Uh, I think like the other part of the game is the strategy side of it and I want to touch on that a bit because South Sydney this year have – I think one of the keys to their success is they had such a potent left side. They've really opened up their right side as a genuine uh, attacking threat. And this year it makes them incredibly hard to defend for opposition. So I thought the Storm actually did pretty well considering it took, like if you look at the tries, there was two brilliant kicks. Like the first kick from Latrell was a right-footed kick from dummy half and he was able to thread the needle. He's a left-footer. And it basically just sits up perfectly for Cody Walker. It was brilliant. And the other kick was perfect as well. So when, you, when you're getting scored against with uh, tries off kicks, yes, it is a defensive failure, but I think it is less of uh, when it's a player that is brilliant as Luttrell and doing what he's doing. Uh, but when you break down the game, and this is a side of it that I really love, it's the service and the pass of Damian Cook to Cody on that left side that makes them so potent. Like they did open them up on that that left side and that second try to Alex Johnson, if you have a chance to watch that, South hit a left post. So when we talk about getting to spots on the field, teams will often work to a post. They'll say, you know, work to left post, work to right post, and then they'll look at their splits. They'll look at what defensive splits that the opposition has and the defensive split I paused this and went back and had a look at the defensive split that the Storm had against the Rabbitohs was five. So they basically had five in their right-hand side defense going against the Rabbitohs having five in their left-hand side attack. But what makes the try is the fact that uh, I think Liam Knight's running the lead player. Like he's the forward in the middle to keep those players in there. But Cook throws a perfect ball out in front of Cody Walker. And Cody Walker's got that ability to skip outside a player. And he gets out to the three-man, which is the three-end defender, which was Jerome Hughes. And then he basically creates a – by getting at Jerome Hughes and getting him to plant his feet, he creates a four-on-three. 
So then it's just like shelling peas and they get the ball out there and AJ scores his try. But the brilliance of that movement is actually the fact that, you know, a lot of people would see that and they'd say, oh, five on five, then, you know, the Storm should be able to defend that. But it's the pass from Damian Cook and the agility from Cody Walker that allows him to skip outside a player and create that create that overlap and and they create so much space that it's 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 impossible to defend on that left-hand side. So yeah, it was, it's just brilliant to watch the intricacies of the game. Anyway, I digress. So looking at uh Supercoach uh Cam Munster, he didn't seem to do too much, but in terms of attack, I thought he was uh he was pretty solid, but yeah, he punched out a 72, so as an owner, I'm pretty happy with that. Harry Grant, like I said, I think he's struggling for a little bit of form, but he still put up a 54, which is not too far off what the best hookers are doing. So, yeah, it's it's probably if you're an owner that didn't go with Harry, you'd see a 54 as a bit of a win because he was he can put up scores up around those 80 and 90, and I think he will against the lesser teams, but against a team like South Sydney, which is you know top top side in the comp or top two at least. Uh, 54 is definitely a respectable score. Uh, Eli Katoa, pretty underwhelming return. I don't know if too many people held him because there was some conjecture around the 11-day stand-down period with the HIA. Uh, but a 43, not too bad. Yeah, can't be unhappy with that uh, if you held Eli Katoa. Nick Meaney, a bit of a down week for him. I think he got a 44, but still a respectable score if you've had him uh, during this period. Cody Walker was brilliant. 86, but just what he did, he must be in the minds of the New South Wales origin coaches. I think, like, Luai's not setting the world on fire. Uh, Nico Hines, there's a lot of hype around Nico Hines, and he is a great player, and he he seemed – like he, I think he's a greater bloke as well. Like he's a really good person. That's what comes across, um, not knowing him personally, but just in all his interviews, all the things that he's doing, he seems like a really, really good person. But I just wonder whether he's suited to Origin. He plays a little bit laterally, uh, and he also has some defensive deficiencies, which a lot of halves do. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if. Cody comes out as a bit of a smoky. He's got that connection with Latrell, and he's just playing outstanding footy. He's a, he's a great competitor, Cody. He's pretty polarizing. Some people like him, some people don't. I, I tend to like him. I, I like what he does on the footy field. I know he gets a little bit angry and whatnot, but competitive nature. AJ, 76 with two tries. Uh, solid if you brought him in. Latrell, 55. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, but... He has limited touches and the tries he had were kicks. So that limited his score somewhat. But if you're an owner, you've well and truly got your value out of Latrell, so you can't be too unhappy. Okay, three games on Sunday. And the Tigers got their second win in a row. So I have to be pretty happy about that. After beating the Panthers last week, they nutted, they ground out a win basically against the Dragons. It looked like a game between two teams in the bottom four, to be fair. I thought the Tigers really deserved the win and they'll take a bit of confidence from it. I think the draw gets a little bit harder, but, you know, they don't really have a lot to lose because essentially their season's gone and they're building for a future. Uh, You know, they've been quite open about the fact that they're looking for a halfback. If I was the Tigers... And this is a pretty controversial thing. I would re-sign Luke Brooks, but only if he's prepared to sign for less than 500K and I'd sign him as a 5'8", because I think as a 5'8", he's a quality player. I I don't think he's a million-dollar halfback, and I think that's been established. But, like, 500K, he stays there, and I think he's not the reason that, they don't make the make the finals in the next few years. I think he's he was he's been really good for them. He's picked up a few aspects of his game the last two weeks, so uh, that's what I'd be doing if I was the Tigers. But they desperately need a quality seven. Uh, Wakeham, he he's having a crack, but to be fair, you know he he's probably 
a fringe uh, a NRL, uh, maybe you know, maybe he could develop into it. Like he's he's probably going to have a free run with it this year because of, uh, Adam Dewey's out. But I know that they are looking at someone like a Sean Johnson. I don't. I think it'll be really tough for them to get Sean Johnson out of New Zealand with his family and his family support around that. I think that's had a lot to do with the reason he's playing so well this year. But Sean Johnson, as a quality half, with probably, oh, well, definitely one year, maybe two to three years left in him if he's playing at this quality. But certainly with the experience that he brings and just the poise that he brings, he he could be in great demand because. A team like the Tigers is looking at him. The Canberra Raiders could possibly look at him um, and move Fogarty to to a five eight position. So yeah, there's a little bit of interest out there for for SJ. The Dragons, I think, the year's gone for them as well. You know, all the there's a lot of talk around the coach, and and unfortunately, I think Anthony Griffin. You know he won't be coaching there next year, and I think people have known that for a while. But there's a bit of conjecture about whether he'll see the season out. I don't. Yeah, I think it just depends whether the environment gets toxic or not. If it maintains a learning environment and he can bring these kids through and get some games into them, then that won't hurt them either. And they'll bring in their coach next year. You know, maybe a former St George player in. I know, you know, they're talking about Jason Rolls, they're talking about Ben Hornby, Dean Young would have to be a leading contender for if they wanted it. But if they can develop these young players that they've got coming through and they've got some good young players coming through, then that's going to really help them for next season. Okay, checking out the Supercoach scores. Noffa, he's back, 91. Uh, Well, we know he can do it. We know that he's capable of putting up those huge scores and breaking tackles and whatnot. And when he's happy, Noffa can play some of the best footy around. And uh, yeah, he was really good for them. Stefano Udicamano. Now, I've still got him as my second front row forward, and it's hurt me a bit. He's, uh, he's just got 32. To watch him in, in the NRL, like the way he was playing, he was actually playing pretty good footy, but he just wasn't creating any any super coach scoring plays. He's just a bit straight up and down, so it's not his good play on the field is not really translating to Supercoach. Uh, Jack Bird, well, when he started and he was goal kicking, I'm thinking, here we go. There's a chance I might might consider him, but then he then uh, Su- uh, Sullivan got onto the field and Jaden Sullivan, he's a dual position five eight hooker. Priced at 325k. Now, I know he's just come off a game and he's not going to play the Tigers every week where he scored two tries, but he's definitely one to keep a close eye on next week. See what he does next week. And, you know, if he's equally impressive, I imagine he'll be starting next week with maybe Hunt at dummy half. Yeah, he might be someone that you could bring in and he could possibly be a handy buy over the buy period and make some money and sell on to. Uh, Someone coming out of origin. Uh, Jareem Buller. Jeez, he's impressive, this kid. So in a lot of people have made that trade to him. I, I'm going to be bringing him in next week, I feel. Uh, I'll, I'll either bring him in for Tane to a picky or I'll bring him in for Reese Walsh. I might pull the trigger on Reese Walsh. But, yeah, he's looked impressive. Uh, he's got good carries in the backfield. Doesn't look overawed by anything, and he's really athletic too. So he's definitely going to be one to watch. Jack DeBellin, nice and solid, sixty-five. Uh, doesn't he? Doesn't really have that upside at the moment because he's not looking to offload. But he, like I said to you earlier in the podcast, the front row forward, I wouldn't spend too much time worrying about it. Just get yourself two solid front row forwards that can get you through and and then worry about your other positions that have got higher upside. Tyrell Sloan, geez, if you brought him in a couple of weeks ago, you wouldn't be feeling really well. Uh, So a few of the question marks that they had over him last year when Griffin wouldn't play him, positional play uh, in defense and just some of his uh, decision-making in attack uh, came out in that game. He didn't have his best game, Sloan. Uh, Max Fee guy was one. I think he was 
on his second game. He's going to earn a bit of money. Oh, personally, I think there's better ways to do it. You know, less heartache. That the St George side at the moment is a bit of a a shambles, and I think Anthony Griffin will continue to shuffle the deck. So you're not going to really know who's going to be playing in what position. You got Lomax, who you know, I think he won't be in reserve grade for too long because he's a A grade player. So I wouldn't be max. Uh, I wouldn't be mucking around with Max Figo. Probably the only other one that I'll mention is IPAP. He got a 53. He's obviously not replicating the form that he's done over the last couple of years, but Isaiah Papali is a player that I think will become relevant in the run home. Uh, you know, the Tigers are only going to get better. They're only going to keep building their game and doing these little trick plays, and he's one of their strike players. So once they can work out how to get the ball to him in good positions and he can get back to his tackle-busting uh, attacking the line, scoring tries, then he's going to be relevant again in Supercoach, and I think it'll happen this year. Okay, Roosters versus Cowboys this is a massive upset, and I actually got contacted by a couple of uh, couple of listeners, which is good, you know, and they were just asking me about the Cowboys and some of the views that I had on them, and yeah, basically just wondering why I was sort of so low on the Cowboys and I and I had some good chats with them which was really good uh, and it's funny they really deserve to win that game 100% the Cowboys against the Roosters but it's funny how luck can play its part in seasons now like before the game you just couldn't envisage any other way that the Cowboys could outscore the Roosters on that dry track at Suncorp Stadium because you just thought the Roosters have too many points in them. They're a good defensive side. The Cowboys have struggled for attack. And then there's a hailstorm. <laughs> uh, there was a hailstorm in between games. I missed it. I, I went to do something uh, in between games and came back and they said there's been a massive hailstorm. It's pouring down and the rain was just absolutely sheeting down. And uh, I felt like that. Even though the Roosters had a good win in the rain last week, I felt like that really was an advantage to the Cowboys. And it was more of an advantage, an advantage when the Cowboys scored the first try because in games where there's really heavy rain and there's not going to be a lot of points, scoring the first try is huge. Uh, you can really lean on your defense. And the Cowboys have a pretty solid defense. I mean, I think Towns is a little bit suspect in defense, but you know, and, and that showed up in the Crichton thing. But in general, they protect their defense well. And and Jeremiah Nano has a few things to tidy up defensively as well when he comes back. But they're a good defensive side and they're a gritty side, and it gave them an opportunity to show that heart and that grit that they had last year. And they basically were proving it to themselves as much as everyone else. And uh, once they got the second try, I think it was a try off a, off a kick. Uh, it was a bit of a gift, really, like there wasn't really good communication there. And then the third try was off a kick again, and that was like, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Townsend shanked a kick off the inside of his boot and nearly went out on the full, and then Murray Talangi let it hit his foot. It was a really skillful piece of play, danced down the sideline, threw it back inside, and Townsend scored. They've sort of they might have tricked themselves back into form here, the Cowboys. Uh, so, but good good luck to them. And, and you know, they the good thing about it for Cowboys fans is now they go back up to Townsville and they get a game against the St George Dragons. Who, if you could pick any team in the NRL that you wanted to play next week, it'd probably be St George because they're so low on confidence. They've got turmoil um, in the coaching ranks, and the Cowboys will get a lot of confidence out of beating one of the better sides in the competition. It's just the weather, eh? The weather, sometimes the weather's the best equaliser and uh, it brought the Cowboys right into it and, you know, like a, you know, they, they took their opportunity and, and well done to them. They had an awesome scramble defence. So the Roosters were sort of making half breaks and half breaks, but they they scrambled really well, the Cowboys, and, and they got the win. I thought... Um, Jack Kosefsky was was really good for him for, in an NRL sense, and uh, I think they'll take a lot of confidence into that Dragons game. Okay, looking at the Supercoach scoring, 
Uh, Joey Manu. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah, took a lot of runs, high involvement. Uh, for me, he's just a definite hold. Uh, I, I hope that he stays at 5'8". I'm not really sure. There's all this talk about Walker and whether Walker's going to come back into the side. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't think Walker helps him in that wet game. If anything, that you know, the wet weather wouldn't have suited Walker at all. But Joey Manu punching out a 76, um, and that's before updates. You know, you, you can't be unhappy with him. You just got to hope that he, he keeps that 5'8 spot. Uh, Ruben Cotter got his first uh, got the first try of the game and punched out another score after having a really low week last week. So that sort of weather, he's the junkyard dog, and uh, that sort of weather just suited him down to the ground. Inside balls, footwork, he was just uh, stepping blokes left, right, and center, and he got that nice star. Uh, Nice offload off of Cohen Hess and was able to crash over for the try and really good score of uh, 94 points for Supercoach. Teddy, a few people brought him in, 59. I think that's acceptable in those conditions. I thought he was trying hard. He looked like he was making half breaks a lot of the time but just couldn't couldn't quite get through, which, which happens quite a lot with Teddy. But, yeah, I, I think – Owners probably would be a bit disappointed because they would have seen the Cowboys and gone, oh, we're in for a big day, dry pitch and stuff like that. But after the rain came, it was all bets were off. So 59 under those conditions is pretty good before updates. Uh, Val Holmes, 49. Just a typical Val Holmes score, really. Like he was solid as. uh, Didn't get a lot of opportunities, but obviously – probably got more goal-kicking opportunities than he might have thought he would. So, you know, if he updates to over 60, that's really good. Apart from that, not a lot of relevant players. The one that I would uh, probably mention is Billy Smith in the centres. He looked really good in the left centres. He came in for Hutchinson. So they made that change. He's obviously played a few reserve grade games. He's had a wretched run with injuries, so I'd – Proceed with caution in terms of Billy Smith. I've had him before in the past, and yeah, he's a little bit made of glass. So you have to make sure that he's going to get through with his injuries. But certainly, he passed the eye test. He was breaking a lot of tackles in a game where it was wet and it wasn't really made for centers. He's definitely one to keep a close eye on next week. And then if he replicates that performance and hopefully gets a dry track and punches out a 50-plus score uh, at a price of 289500 yeah, he's definitely going to generate some interest off off uh, super coaches. But just be wary of that uh, injury risk with Billy Smith. Okay, last game of Magic Round. So I finished about an hour ago. Eels versus Titans. Titans were going for a clean sweep for the Queensland teams, and they'd done it. So it was a pretty entertaining game. I thought it was probably the pick of the games, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of the games over the week in entertainment-wise. And you generally find the way the Titans play, whether they win or lose, they're a pretty entertaining side to watch because there's points. They don't have a massive focus on defending their way to victory, although I think they've tried to flick a switch in the last two or three weeks after that massive comeback from the uh, the Dolphins against them. And they've hit back really well, to be honest, to beat Manly and Parramatta, which are two sides that are really fighting it out for those bottom of the eight spots with them. That's two really good wins. Uh, I thought... The Gutho Simbin was huge. Like it was just a reaction that he made and it was definitely a Simbin. It was a professional foul. But I wonder, was it worth it? Because they were dominating the game so much. Even if Lofi Khan Pereira goes on and gets that try and makes it 4-all or 6-4, it probably doesn't hurt the Eels as much as um, it did with the two tries and then the Titans got their tails up and they never really looked back from that in terms of giving up the lead or anything to the Eels. So it's always easy to say in hindsight, but I think Gutho with his time back would have would have not liked to do that pullback uh, that got him in the sin bin. 
yeah, the Titans like they they smelt blood in the water when they had those twelve men. Two really well constructed tries to Kieran Foran. He was uh, turning the clock back there. Um, and the third try, oh, somebody should have called the police because that was a robbery. I can't believe that Camper didn't pass that ball to Kieran Foran for his hat trick. He's de- he's dead set robbed Kieran Foran of a hat trick there. But you know. That they interviewed for it at halftime, and he said, "You know, he probably didn't trust my pace, or maybe he thought he was going to pull a hammy or anything." And yeah, the shin kick worked, the shin kick uh, chip and chase. But he he's just so electric that can't prayer. Like you'd normally say, it's a cardinal sin for a winger to run into touch, but he's the type of bloke that's that fast. You want him to back his pace. You 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 give you give up one or you know an average of a half or one. Uh, getting pushed into touch or running, you know, running out into touch and things like that uh, in a game for Cam Pereira because you want him to actually try and burn them on the outside and back his pace. He is that electric. He's one of the fastest players I've ever seen play the NRL. He's really good to watch. Uh, yeah, like I said, really good attacking footy from uh, the Titans. Their defense has picked up a fair bit, you know, but the yields were high completions and they. They throw a bit at you, but uh, the Titans were able to keep him out. Okay, having a look at some of the scores. So these are fresh off the press. So they're obviously updates to come, and they'll they'll be significant updates. But we're looking at um, oh, Kieran Foran's not really relevant, but good for him to get two tries and get the ninety. Dave for feeder just keeps punching out these massive scores. It's eighty four before updates and. He had a lot of offloads. He was in a real mood of bumping off and getting held up and offloading, which was great to see. If you're a day for feeder owner, you're just holding him for the season, I think, you know, just in the form that he's in. Lofi Camperera, some people have held on to him. Some people might have played him, which I think it was a game where you would think, yes, he's definitely a play in this type of game, open game. Against the Eels, 66, you're happy with that. Uh, Phil Sammy. Just the tackle break ability of him, eh? He's he's one that is definitely going to come into calculations as a as a pod play on the run home, particularly if the Titans start to really get their confidence up. Uh, I know they do have a lot of play that goes left, but he's he can he can punch out scores of sixty, maybe up, up updates to a seventy, even if the ball doesn't come his way that much, because when he gets the ball. He just he just has this ability to fend off. He's got one of the best fends in the game, and he just fends people off. And he's got a really good step, and he likes to offload as well. Phil Sammy, so he's definitely one to watch. Uh, that's about it for the Titans. The Eels. I know that a lot of teams have a lot of Eels because uh, with the upcoming buy, they've got a fairly favourable draw. Dylan Brown just delivered big time. Uh, nearly put him on his back and brought him home at the end of the game, but couldn't quite do it. 111 before updates. I think he probably updates a bit higher than that. Uh, Matto, 70. So those people that were a bit worried about him coming off the bench and, you know, I didn't have him last. I I brought him in and then I was a little bit dirty that he was a late withdrawal last week, but I hung on to him because I know Matto has the ability, whether he's coming off the bench and playing 60 or, or what he probably played less than sixty because I know they took him off at some stage. He might have played, you know, somewhere between fifty-five and sixty, and he still punched out a seventy. That's before updates, so he's got that capability. He's Gutho sixty-six. Again, you know, he's probably a consideration to bring out a fullback. He's getting pretty expensive now. Uh, Andrew Davy fifty-eight. That's an interesting one. He did get that try at the end, so it's probably a bit inflated. By that, uh, Jermaine Hopgood, bit of a down week for him, 53. Sean Lane, oh, he's out of sorts, Sean Lane. He's dropping a bit of ball and whatnot. He hasn't really found his feet since he come back from injury. But it's going to come, uh, 46, and that's about it. Uh, in saying that, I want to make a mention, Wiramur Greg, 29. So those people that had, were playing him as a second front rower, uh, yeah, that's probably more the type of scores that you're going to get. I thought Bryce Cartwright was really good. Now, 
with Carroy, you got to take the good with the bad. But like, I just thought he offered them a lot in attack and a lot of variation. And he's sort of a ball player, but he can also go to the line and look for those late offloads if people push through the line with him. But on the flip side of that, he did miss a tackle on Brian Kelly that led to that last try as well. So, you know, his defense. Whilst it's got a lot better, uh, he does also have those defensive deficiencies there. Okay, that brings us to an end of our round 10 weekly wrap for SC Playbook. Uh, Thanks for listening, crew. I'll catch you next week.